Welcome to Very Honored Frater BT's Esoterra Nerd Podcast, episode 59, in which Joe Shantz and I interview Amandeep Sodhi. But first, Transformation and Fitness. This is the segment in which I recite verse by verse the book which my father John Dan Reeb wrote in 1976, Transformations, followed by the footnotes in which I talk about what I just read, all the while listening to Jean-Michel Jarre's Oxygen. Transformations, Chapter 1, Verse 18. You and I both know, for instance, that it is possible for two flesh place fear junkies, or even two mega groups of flesh place fear junkies, to be in total disagreement, each calling the other wrong, and for them both to be right about the other and right about themselves. This makes the game interesting, or at the very least, it makes it risky. Verse 19. It's very simple for flesh place fear junkies to get stuck on darkness and hypnotize themselves into believing that it is light. What is not so obvious to flesh place fear junkies is something else that is obvious to both you and me. It is equally possible for flesh place fear junkies to get stuck on lights, to become enraged with others who are stuck on other lights they label different or darkness, and to make great darkness out of all the light. Flesh place fear junkies are very powerful in places of flesh. They make traffic jams getting stuck on lights and create power failures they label grisly and or glamorous. They call these latter ones wars. This is another possibility created by the three tie pins. And now for the footnotes. I think the key point is that the mega groups are of flesh place fear junkies. So people who already take for granted that they're in a state of fear because they're addicted to it are going to want to have in groups and out groups and call the other wrong and probably point out the flaws in the other and how they're they consider themselves better as opposed to the other for thus and thus reasons which they might be right about but at the same time on the other side they're saying things like well yeah but you guys are like this and this and we're like this and that and both are right about the other implants a sense of risk stuck on darkness, hypnotize themselves into believing that it is light. Of course, my mind goes right to Hitler and a bunch of people thinking that he was some good thing for everybody. Rome was thought of as the light. They were bringing light into a world of barbarians. I don't quite think they were. On a certain level, a certain kind of light, 
more like a Pandora's box bearer to mix metaphors. At least I'm staying in the same pantheon. Stuck on lights. Well, here's something that works. Your thing that works is different from my thing that works, therefore it's darkness. Yeah, you run into that wherever you have someone ignorant enough to think that you're forsaking Jesus Christ if you're adhering to the teachings of Buddha. Flesh place fear junkies, very powerful in places of flesh. Yeah, they they organize amongst themselves the people who really intensely hold these assumptions as solid, really claw their way into these positions. It's kind of gross. They make traffic jams getting stuck on lights, referencing back to irony, confusion, and paradox, also known as form, distance, and time. Our guest tonight is a musician and wizard from Jalahandar, India. But first, let's bring in our co-host, Joe Shantz. Hello. Hello. How are you? <clears throat> Good. So um, if my voice is a little scratchy and Courtney Lovish, it's... Uh, I've been basically chanting since like Saturday. It's been like oh, at least wow. once every day. Yeah, it's been kind of crazy, but nice. Um, yeah, I mean it's been cool. But the last one, so Easter is celebrated. Uh, we started at eleven o'clock tonight, so that's uh, that's good. Oh, this is Eastern Easter. Oh, yeah, so in, in sync with Passover. What a concept! Exactly. Yeah. No, the, <laughs> I mean they, they have. I think that the calendars align in that yeah. way. Yeah. You know, so that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, because like you know, as anti-Semitic as they were, like the Constantinian Church, like asked the Jews, they, you know, <laughs> like they, they they were like, let's sync this up. It makes sense, right? And then the Romans, yeah. were like, well, no, we've already kind of oh. got this calendar really like the way it is, and we like it. So. Dude, I got to tell you something hysterical. So my godfather, who is clearly like one of my tribe, because he 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 dresses like he's from you know, Victorian times. So he like wears the pocket watch and he's got his hair slicked back and you know, his wife looks very Victorian. I love, I just, I love my godfather. Mm-hmm. And I always used to, used to, uh, I used to always make fun of him because, um, in the Greek church, the, um, you know, when someone becomes confirmed, they, um, or gets baptized and anointed, the godfather accepts that person's sins for like five years. So I'm like, Ha ha ha! I'm and it's all your fault. Uh, but he, but he was a Yale. He was a Yale Divinity guy, but he was also like really cool and like he would accept my weirdness because I did like a whole year like of study before joining. And I remember we so we'd have these classes like during Orthros, um, and this is in San Francisco, and he he would um, so I would just say really controversial things that he would get. But like everyone else is just sort of like aghast by. They're like, "Who the hell are you?" But I'm like, "There's there was this one like Greek guy who just was only there to like get his wife confirmed. He just wanted to like just check off the boxes, get married, and then good to go." Right. Um, and I was like, "Well, you know," at one point I'm like, "Well, you know, we all are kind of Jews, really." And he like this Greek guy was just like, "What the like?" He just and, and by you know, the, the guy, like the, my godfather who like was running the classes, he's like, yeah, I, you know, I told, you're right. I totally get that. And I get what you're saying. And this guy was just like, he couldn't, he, it just, he lost couldn't his shit. With that. And he like left the class. I was like, <laughs> ding, point for me. <laughs> we are Noahide Gentiles. God damn it. 
is like, I hate the Jews. You know, it's like, okay, well, he's still what, like, on that old script. Oh, right. Well, it's funny because it's like, but dude, like all these ceremonies, like, do you know where they like all these ceremonies? Like, they're oh, Jewish. Like, yeah. get, get We're over in it. the tabernacle for fuck's sake. <laughs> That's the Holy of was, Holies where the priest stands, and back but, here is the... <laughs> but I thought it was endlessly hyster- hysterical. Like, I would have so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh. No. You know, it, it's it's kind of... A, but it's so offensive. It's sort of, you know, I, I hate this sort of, like, my religion's better than yours, and I guess um, I experienced that a little bit today, and I think that, that there were some people that, um, you know, when you're when you're constantly doing stuff sort of day after day and week after, you know, like, when you're going for a whole week... And doing this like mega session um, of religious services, like people start to wear down a bit and they get a bit silly and their their guard drops a bit. Yeah. And I have noticed um, quite a bit of anti-Semitism for people who I was kind of shocked to hear that by. And it's like, you know what? Come on, that's just gross. Like, stop being gross. Just be like. Be then cool. again, I mean, I used to sing the lyrics, you know, of those songs in English, and some of it's in the lyrics. <laughs> like, some of it's it actually is. in the no, script. No, no, you're. You're absolutely right. It really is. It's really there. And, you know, I've heard what apologists will say is that, no, what's really going on in the story is that it's juxtaposing, you know, the person who's really arrogant and they're doing things for the wrong reason versus the harlot who is actually like, you know, theoretically you would say, oh, well, the, the good Jew, you should really sort of like, you know, in theory you would you would um, exalt him, but like, look at Judas and isn't he awful? And this is like the rest of Jew- Jews uh, versus the harlot, which you would say, oh, well, stone the harlot. Uh, but in fact, the harlot was the one that, that that's redeemed. So the apologists say that, but if you, if, if the ultimate result is that you get people who are just like, oh my God, the Jews suck, blah, 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 blah. You're like, really? Like, uh, you know, you, you know, you kind they of missed it. Re- well, you kind of have to take responsibility for it. Yeah, it's like, yeah I get that juxtaposition, but maybe. Well, it's sh- like they're saying, well, when, when in our narrative, when we say Jews, we mean you know selfish, greedy people who are, we don't want to be like. And it's like, well, yeah, but there's actually a group of people over here that calls themselves Jews, and they find that offensive <laughs> when you use that. It's like. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, I, I, to be fair, like there was one point where I was talking to someone in the Golden Dawn community. I don't know if he wants me to just drop his name right now, but uh, he was he was saying that he's attended. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm ignorant about the uh, pre-Jewish uh, origins of Lilith, but he was saying that he had worshipped Lilith in a Sumerian context, or I don't know what it okay. was, Can- Canaanite, the li- okay. Lilu, or whatever. And, okay. uh, and he, f- so from that point of view, he finds it offensive that the Golden Dawn calls her the evil woman and puts her on the Klippoth tree at Malkut. And I was like, okay, okay. yeah, I mean, that's fair. You know, it's, it, that is where it is. And there has been um, changes in the, de- you know, a, a fourth and fifth and sixth definition of Lilith in the uh, Oxford Dictionary added since Victorian times, um, thanks to, you know, uh, uh, musicians and, and, and creative uh, re- re-envisionists and, and people digging back maybe earlier in history. Um, again, well, I'm ignorant think- about it, but I mean, there's kind of a parallel there. Yeah, there totally is. You know, it's, that's interesting you bring it up because one of the most, I thought, one of the most inspired um, works that, that are out there and, and my fellow previous Golden Dawn Order people would be like, okay, this is clear evidence that he's fallen. So if I'm the fallen guy, fair enough. But like, so 
you know, we're, um, so I think I could say this because I think it's public. Um, if it's not, I know I'm going to get sued. But Joe Max's wife actually published a beautiful, but like very potent and kind of scary uh, evocation of, of Lilith. And it's, you know, it's not for the, the, the faint hearted. And, you know, if you do that particular work that's somewhere on the, the internet, maybe we can make a link to it or something, mm-hmm. you know, you should probably wear protection because like have it on before it things start but she's intentionally like, worshiping crazy. an evil lilith right or, or not, invoking it's not, not a worship. worship no 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 it's um the 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 fundamental basic purpose of that particular ritual is to find the power word um it's to find a power word that's mm-hmm. that's what's ultimately expressed but through the process, it gets a little wild in, in the, the temple. And I'll just say that much. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but, and, 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 you know, and possibly so, a really So kind way. of drawing from Talmudic sources, like sort of the, uh, the rabbis no, telling, no, expounding guess... upon stories of how awful Lilith is, like as opposed to going yeah. deeper and back prior to the demonization by the... But here's the thing, from the perspective of a Victorian... Um, you know, anything sexy is very bad. Yeah. And from the perspective of a Talmudic rabbi, anything sexy is bad. Yeah. So it sort of depends on your your frame of reference. So, you know, if you're kind of like okay with the sexy with the sexy mouse, then you know, there are aspects that are not gonna be like evil and bad. Right. Um, I've not done like I've read through the work that was done and I think it's brilliant, but I also like I I I have not done it, but like when you which when you read through it, you're kind of like, oh, that's where that's going. All right, like you know, here's what you should probably think about before getting started. Um, but you know, it's it looks and it looks like a fun thing. It's just you know that's why it's going to be really you know things that are evil or good really depend on your framework. I really believe you know that yeah. there are things that. I think most people can all kind of agree that, that, that are evil. I mean, no one really wants to live in a society where, you know, you know, you go down to the street to, to buy, you know, some bread and someone's going to like knife you. Like, you don't, I don't think anyone wants that to happen. Yeah. Um, so th- th- there are major contexts of like what good and evil is. And, and we can kind of all agree, or at least so- socially bad or good. Um, but that's one, this is one where, you know, I can kind of understand where someone would be like, you know, Lilith, you know, gets a little bit of a bad rap. Yeah. Interesting. So we've gone over anti-Semitism and uh, and drawn a parallel with um, <laughs> the demonization of the ancient goddess Lilith, and that'll that'll make a few people go, hmm. Meanwhile, let's oh, yeah. uh, go to the other way, side of gonna, the world. If you oh, want me to be excommunicated, just send a letter <laughs> to the patriarchate and just you know, with, with with a copy of this. So. Well, uh, let's see. It looks like our our friend in um, friend in India, Amandeep Sodhi, he's confirmed that he's uh, ready to teleport or to be beamed by. Um, is Scotty? Uh, re- is he is he around or is it? Yeah, one we of the changed others? out. Yeah, we changed out the evocational method of of, of teleportation. So uh, we now have um, the robot Scotty who's ready to go. Okay, so uh, so uh, we'll we'll send Shot the program on down. Come on, come on. Chop, and chop. Uh, let's let's get to that interview, shall we?
Greetings. Welcome to the Esoterra Nerd Podcast. This is my co-host, Joe Shanks. Hiya. We, we chatted Hello. a little bit beforehand. It was great to Hello, Joe. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you very much for calling me. Absolutely. So I was intrigued. I saw you commenting on a thread, and I saw you very articulately um, kind of rebut what was being said by someone from a thalamic background and then you identified that you came from a Sikh background but you were familiar with chaos magic and east and west and you were you had read crowley but you didn't consider him a prophet and i was like okay we got to get this guy on the esoteric nerd podcast who is this guy and so so that's that's where i'm coming from i was wondering if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about um how you got started um how how growing up you know, in a Sikh community led, you know, to, to wizardry and led to these other practices? Well, uh, in India, you can see, even if you are a Sikh or you believe in any other religion, uh, the main influence is always our basic Indian spirituality. And mm -hmm. uh, basic Indian spirituality is always close to chanting and meditation even chanting or uh, even the way they prayer it's almost like meditation itself mm -hmm. or, or you can even even say in an umbrella term if you go into depth then even the theories of jesus it's a kind of meditation you know yeah his ways are different but uh, it's a beautiful theory and uh, it works Love always yeah. works, and uh, love is meditation. And if you are in love with yourself, your real spirit, then that causes the actual meditation, and that causes a phenomenon called samadhi in India. Mm. What we so, call it? There's this beautiful the book that that I read a long time ago called The Cult of Tara. Uh, Tara. Um, and we, I think we talked about this in our, our sort of chatting and stuff earlier. Um, and I'm really curious, like the, the one thing I loved about that particular book is it really kind of like talks about the technology of meditation and that, um, it, it, it tried to, from an ac a very academic perspective, reduce, um, the practice of what the Tibetan Buddhists were doing into sort of like, okay, look, if you do these mantras, like literally a hundred thousand times, which you know, when you start doing mantras and you, you think about day after day, like, you know, a hundred thousand really isn't that much, you know, it really, you know, over the course of a year, you can probably get there. Yeah. Like what, what do you, what, I'm, I'm really curious because you, you're so versed in so many different traditions. Do you sort of think like, if you do that kind of work where it's like, you know, over and over in repetition, no matter what it is that you get to that meditative place that you're talking about? I do believe that. And I believe, uh, though I have said that Elias Crowley and uh, people like them, they may or may not be prophets. I'm sure about that, that he, may, he would not be a prophet. But if you talk about Jesus, he was a prophet. If you talk about a Greek Hermes, I've heard about him as well. And his theory is his occult work. That he, he's, also, he's also a high-level prophet. He's an ascended master. And if you talk about uh, some other ascended masters from different, uh, you know, you talk about Merlin, there is a state where 
Merlin uh, gets submerged with the universe. You know, he becomes one with the universe, uh, which these Thelemites call man of earth, I believe. The last stage where you are one with the universe. And this stage is a stage where the client computer becomes the server, you know, hmm. where you are. Very in interesting analogy. I love that. The client computer becomes the server, like the drop of water becomes the ocean. Yes, exactly. And the higher knowledge comes into you and uh, you are no longer inside your body. Yes, of course, the body is not going to stop its work. Body is still going to feel sex. Body is still going to feel pain. But it's up to you that you want to come into the body or you want to listen to the body or not. This stage can come, but I do not think that it would come uh, so easily. According right. to my meditational experience, I feel that uh, there is a one term which in witchcraft they say, will of the universe. You try, 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 you try very hard to connect, but there are very few chosen ones like Hermes or very few chosen ones uh, like uh, Jesus or like Merlin, you know, uh, rest all people can become wizards, great magicians, and uh, maybe very enlightened beings as well. But uh, these people, these chosen ones, if the will of universe is with them after meditation of a long time, then they themselves become universe. Universe selects them, their body. I do not know what kind of chemistry happens with hmm. them inside their body after meditation but it's it's kind of you know some kind of uh divine love it, it it's uh, in our religion it's called that uh we call it god or we call it satnam satnam means uh the real name hmm. the real vibration which is happening without any interference continuously from eternity you know I've done that, that as a breathing exercise, the yeah, inhaling yeah. sut and exhaling nam. Exactly, exactly. So, so uh, it, I was just going to say, say I ask, is the secret? Yeah. So, do do you do you identify as um, being someone of the Sikh religion, or because I'm trying to understand, um, you know, do do you kind of believe that there's always an avatar of that universal energy available to us, or? Uh, is that not necessarily like that? Is that physical presence not necessarily with us always? That it's something that's just chosen at different intervals depending on what the universal uh, consciousness requires? Well, there can be different theories, but I feel you know, universe's language cannot be decoded by any Bhagavad Gita or any book of Moses or any, uh, you know, any Goisha book. These books are very knowledgeable, but I personally believe you, if you talk about universe, then one book or all the books collectively, even they cannot explain the language of universe and universe can manifest itself in many ways. I personally feel there can be people who are uh, like Hermes till now in this world, or they may not be. 
there can be some other ways if they are not in human form there may be some other ways i believe and if human uh, life form is creating a lot of troubles then they may quarantine our planet as well maybe that time is also going to come sometime if human species or any other species create lot of problems to their own world then such powers may quarantine this world as well but interesting this is all in form of energy i feel i think that i mean the the truth that i feel in the concept of like a an energetic quarantine uh is that like there's there's a lot of really gross i mean the the first thing that comes to mind is like world war 1 you know where you just have people walking into a hail of bullets there's things that are of this world that really got to stay here you know or just some junk that like doesn't need to uh go into the subtler realms of the the truer nature of the soul it's part of kind of the outer crust the outer rough skin of the of the of god if you will and uh and when we incarnate so. here then we experience it sometimes unfortunately and we do our best not to and maybe bring some better manifestations here and yeah. but i think but but that uh but that but it also points to the fact that we might not be quarantined that we might actually create something so beautiful in this world that it would be embraced energetically by the higher realms so there's kind of like yeah. a hope in that this can also be possible See, yeah. I personally feel that uh, if you if you're talking about uh, you were saying that do I believe that there are certain people who still come into this world as prophets or as uh, wizards or as musicians or chosen ones in our Sikh history if you read there are 10 gurus 10 masters and their disciples were also kind of enlightened i don't know uh, what did they taught them they were extremely brave people but the if, if you are brave you can fight with someone if somebody is trying to you know uh, create problems in your country or trying to create imperial co- colonies in your country or trying to enslave the people then you are fight for the people to create a righteous uh, rule in your country right. but regarding martyrism how painfully a person can possibly die this creates shivers in my body when i read the stories of these masters that there was one master uh, there were mogul rule mogul rulers uh, Akbar was was the ruler and uh, Aurangzeb was a Mughal ruler who came to India and there was a lot of uh, torture and different stuff going going on in in our country one of our masters said that if you are going to convert these people then you have to convert their master if you are able to convert their master then all these people are also going to convert because right. he accepted it because uh, they all were torturing him there was no other way you know yeah either either ways either he, he, uh, there was a possibility that he could attack them or you know he, he could give him give them some other kind of challenge or show them some 
other kind of miraculous power but he never used any kind of miraculous power in front of them but the kind of stuff he did it creates shivers in my body that moguls uh put him into boiling oil and he was reciting something at that point of time the master was reciting something and that thing is also written in our holy book in guru granth sahib and it, at the same time uh, one person was uh putting hot sand on his head and somebody was cutting his fingers as well at the same time such kind of torture was being done on the person on the master and at the same time if some person is reciting something or i don't know if he is remembering god or some supreme force then i am bound to believe that this thing was something highly potent you know it's not a dead god it's some kind of universal energy which is actually interacting with them if it is actually interacting with them it is actually working because it is all documented and it is also not like mythology their dates and their uh, you know their time of death and everything is given it's all documented and uh, you know I- i'm a musician so one of my masters who taught me music is from the family who was with my uh, you know our sikh gurus so the stories and there are a lot of things that they tell us regarding the same that these powers were there so if these powers are there with the sikh gurus then you think about jesus then you think about hermes and then you think about uh, merlin they must have been very ancient and very very powerful beings no then yeah. i'm bound to believe that these people must be very powerful yeah but and at the same think, time I, i love your point but i love your point about mythology i mean do you, don't you think that you know there's that universal energy that's that that really just wants to interact with humanity in whatever guise it's in and you know so like you think about greek mythology you think well you know there must have been a, a zeus like archetype because that universal exactly. energy really wanted to interact exactly exactly i believe that and uh, you know all these uh, uh, the triads and archetypes of uh, uh, god of saturn god of mars and uh, god of venus if translated in indian mythology if you do not look at their outer uh figure and their outer outlook the way they draw their picture only that is different their triads and their powers the power of mars in greek is exactly same as the power of mars in india they do the same work and this is amazing you know i love that that's so fascinating now i got to tell you like some of the uh, you know i think you're you're seek so i i hope i don't offend you on, on at least with with my my limited very limited understanding of the, the the hindu gods but there are some gods where their stories are so complex and you look at like yeah. the, the stories of of like the greek gods and the roman gods and stuff and you're kind of like they're really they're relatively straightforward i mean you know that that there are myths about them that are really complex but the like i've not found any human civilization where the gods and their interactions are so complex 
as in yes, exactly. the Indian gods. Like, what, what do you think about that? I'd love to hear your perspective. Well, uh, the perspective that I'm going to tell now, uh, it's uh, not at all my perspective. It's perspective of one of the person I was very curious to meet. His name was uh, Kinjal. And uh, he is a person who is deeply into Indian Tantra. And uh, I was very curious about certain questions that why Shiva is like this, why God Vishnu is like this, and why Brahma is like this, why their stories are like this. So I uh, wanted to ask him questions that I first of all told him that I do not believe, I believe in Shiva, I believe in Vishnu and Brahma, but I feel that either they were humans with certain supernatural abilities or either they were kings and important people of their time, but how would I believe that they are the creators of the universe? How would I believe that a person with uh, some kind of God weapon is going to destroy everything and somebody is going to create something. Then his answer was that uh, I am not able to, I would not be able to understand their powers and their abilities, what they are actually, till the time I meditate. So once I started meditating, according to him, I was meditating, uh, meditating earlier as well, but I was feeling the energy part, you know. I, I was very much convinced that how energy works and, uh, you know, what kind of effect and manipulation you can do with that energy and uh, how it clears all the d negative forces inside you and you become uh, enlightened person. I was uh, very much... Uh, um, you know, open with that, and I was uh, very much familiar with that, but I was not familiar with this thing. Even though I'm into Hindu community or Sikh community, he told me that these are not actually, you cannot say that these are a higher beings. You can say maybe they were avatars of uh, some energy, but in a human form with some kind of demigod uh, abilities. But if you see, their abilities and their uh, uh, the kind of uh, stories that revolve around them, it's kind of uh, level of meditation that they are into. That's not something which is happening outside. That is something which is happening inside. For example, there was a story in which uh, monsters, uh, the demons and the angels are doing some kind of churning into the ocean. Hmm. There, there's there's a story in which uh, the demons and angels were uh, enemies of each other and the higher gods means Shiva, Vishnu and Brahma. They conducted a meeting and they said that these brothers, angels and demons, these were the brothers, they are fighting with each other. Why uh, can't they settle down? So they created a meeting and in that meeting they discussed that we are going to create a competition in which uh, there would be a big mountain and around that there would be a long snake that one end demons would hold the other hand angels would hold and they will do the churning of ocean you know they yeah. will do the churning of ocean and you see the same churning is happening inside us. It's not a story which is related to the gods. I believe 
and that person the tantric you know the uh, the person who told me he was a master he told me that this is this may or may not be a story but there is a lot of deep meaning in that he mm. said that this is something which is happening inside us there are demons and there are angels and there is a lot of churning happening inside us but you can us. trick them into working together if you exactly. make a competition for them like i mean that's sort of the the answer to the question like why are there football teams <laughs> you know exactly. Exactly. because everybody wants to go out and fight you know but it's destructive and people mourn and it, and it's horrible when people go out and fight so give them uniforms and let them beat each other up exactly. on the field and it's like they get concussions well yeah but it's better than war <laughs> yeah exactly and it's kind of if you see deeply I love that. this is this is a middle pillar of kabbalistic studies Hmm. This is a middle pillar of Kabbalistic studies. It's neither right hand, neither left hand. It's like balance, like Solvay and Kogulai, the kind of uh, picture they draw uh, regarding this Baphomet figure. This is also not satanic, I believe. This is also kind of oh, balance no. of nature. It makes me think of the old, uh, not the not the um, lust card with uh, the, the horror of Babylon writing on the beast, but the, uh, the older... Um, Leo card in the tarot strength where you have the woman representing Hesed uh, taming the lion and then the, so the lion once the lion is tame is the red lion but in the background there's a young green lion running around who's still wild and untamed exactly and I believe there must be some kind of inner uh, something related to inner powers which is completely, uh, you know, uh, in conjunction with this picture, which matches yeah. with this picture. I believe yeah, that makes this me is think all of, happening uh, inside us. Yeah. I mean, it also sounds, like you said, like um, like the gods were in that in that particular role, maybe they were incarnated as some kind of conspiracy, some kind of admin, some kind of, um, you know, either a group of... of uh, people who were in the know who were coming from a higher place or they were thinking more about the what's good for everybody uh, as opposed to the angels and the demons who were just into their their whatever their issue was with each other but yeah. to get them to do something constructive for everybody I mean it's assuming that churning the ocean is con constructive for everybody but I mean it's like it makes me think of the the energy in my own body the energy in my own or, uh, you know, getting getting the, oh, okay, you want that, right? And you want that. Well, let's figure out as the uh, transcendent, maybe the neocortex, uh, the, the, exactly. the human higher part of the brain. But maybe even what, what a lot of people think of in the second person as God or as their guardian angel is that, that yeah. higher functioning uh, part of the brain to say, how can we organize this in the best possible way? And, uh, you know, like, and then, but then there'll be some sneaky demon that's come, comes around back and says, yeah, in a way that makes me famous, you know, or no, 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 yeah. you go down here. <laughs> you're, you're part of the game. You're not, you're going to be the director, you know, like, and then yeah. someone, some other one will come along. Oh no. Cause we've got to be the most humble person in the world. No, 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 little angel. You go back into the stadium and have your little game. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting. It's a great story. Everybody has got their own work. And in this churning, it was said that demons and the angels both were getting lots of gifts. After the churning, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, divine stones, a lot of lights and a lot of powerful weapons and a lot of powerful uh, elixir 
came out of the ocean. Well, while the churning is being done inside in meditation, there are a lot of gifts that we also get in the same way. Hmm. This is uh, this is what convinces me that uh, uh, many of the things can be in the real world, which which are written in the books. But many of the things, half of the things, are kind of uh, uh, you know symbolic language, which is telling something which is happening inside us. So that is very interesting you know, part of spirituality. You know, and I think that those th all those things that that we think that we get that are totally spiritual, like they totally always manifest in a physical way. Like I remember, I used to be so self conscious and so like fearful about so many things. Like I I remember having this conversation with this guy who was like, yeah, you're getting fat. And I'm like, really? You're going to say that? Like, so I, you know, his wife was right there. Like, like Martha, you know, your husband just called me a fat ass. Like, really? Like, you know, where I would never have done that before. Where I would never have made that a joke. It would never have been funny to me. Um, you know, and now it's really just, it, it's hysterical and it's funny and I can laugh along with it where I, before I think it would, you, you know, be like really hurt and like, you know, run back and like, Oh my God, you know, someone thought I was fat. Like, I just don't even give a crap anymore. Yeah. In, so, Edward, uh, oh yeah. Uh, I would want to ask you what path you were in. Uh, I saw you doing some yoga as well. And, uh, yeah. Uh, little bit of Thalema as well. You do. No, no, I, um, I, my, my particular journey is, uh, when I was four or five years old, I started on the path of yoga with my father in the form of meditating and chanting, uh, you know, a syllable for each of the seven primary chakras in the morning okay. and burning incense and all that sort of thing. So I, I always thought of myself as being on that path. But he also taught me tarot and taught me the tree of life. So he had kind of an interesting and eclectic background. So he passed away on me when I was 15. And since okay. people who are longtime listeners of the podcast already know the story, I'll make it the extra short version. Um, so my dad had said, stay away from Crowley, but he always liked the Golden Dawn. So my mom and I found a Golden Dawn group, traditional Golden Dawn, and, um, and we joined it. I was 16. Two years later, my mom died and I was 18. And then I started running a sanctuary for said Golden Dawn order and did that for 18 some odd years. And, uh, then finally, uh, the whole thing kind of, well, it's a, it, it it didn't end well, like it does with some orders, you know, some groups uh, kind yeah, of in a, a fiery mess. car crash. Hot kind of. mess. But I mean, you know, we all learned a lot, you know, and, and that's how Joe and I know each other. And, and so we have some kind of like old old world war buddies kind of like uh, we've we've okay. seen some some stuff that no one in the world would understand, you know, together. And uh, and so so here we are. And so at, with all of that in the past now, like because it was all basically an effort to learn what my dad might have taught me had he not died. Um, I, I, I've decided, okay, that's enough Western now, <laughs> you know, I okay. think 18 years of golden dawn is enough. I'm going to shift my shift back into the Eastern. So I became a yoga teacher 
And I was okay. actually just going to mention in context with what you were saying that in the, in the uh, Sri Swami uh, Satchidananda translation of the Yoga Sutras, I like how he was talking about how through meditation and through, of course, the whole practice, all eight limbs, um, you eventually these demons or angels or whatever they are, they're like fish in the great ocean that's around you in, you know, in the sort of oceanic consciousness sense. And then, uh, and they all eventually become, when you stop feeding them, they become stones and they fall to the ground and then they just wiggle a little. And then once you completely have stopped feeding them for years and you've just been meditating on your mountain, you know, uh, overlooking the bottom of the ocean you get to see the patterns and then you know the answer to the question who was i in my former life who will i be in my next life you know all these things how many lives have i it's just oh oh i see the patterns there that's why i'm like this you know know, exactly i i sort of see my demons like in that sea like and i just sort of like you know i see both the angels and the demons and i'm kind of like even to the demons, I'm like, oh, hey, it's nice to see you. How you doing? It's been a long time since I've seen you. And they sort of, like, you know, stick out their tongue and, like, flip me the bird and, like, you know, do obscene <laughs> gestures. But I'm like, oh, hey, it's good to see you. Like, whatever. So I don't know. Me, is, uh, yeah, I don't know if I that's need the same or something to my different. <laughs> yeah. I'm always banishing my demons. I got to be nicer. Everybody tells me. <laughs> well, you know, I think that they can like if it is when they're when they're kind of when when they realize that you you can um, help them and like that you're not just saying you know fuck off like get away from me I hate you when you actually say oh you know what like you give me this like this is a power that it's you can true. bring to the table it's yeah. like it all becomes like really good and you're like you know what yeah you're kind of a dick but like <laughs> that's what I like about you yeah. You know? It's like the, the sometimes the demon and the angel are the same being in a different mode. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It may hmm. happen, and uh, uh, that's what is shown in the you know this Taoist picture of the sign called the Yin Yang stuff. You know, in the dark yeah. there is a little bit of white, and in the white there is a little bit of dark as well. So it's all a mixture. And I'm I think they all if... want to come with you. It's like they all want to be part of you. It's like the universe wants to be joined. And you are, you know, from a Kabbalistic perspective anyway, you are your yeah. own, like you are your universe. So like bring the right. universe together, like bring it all together. Well, the crazy exactly. thing is as as atheistic as as scientists like to pretend that they are, you know, they 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 you know, they they don't deny that they're the 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 main theory, the theory of the Big Bang uh points to that we were all once in the exact same point and we were exactly. so hot that it was unbelievable and we took up no space. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that's and so yeah, of course we're all connected and of course we all love to hug. You know, and and yeah. we all we're all kind of okay. Uh... So I, I'm I'm dying to ask my guests this. So I got yeah, yeah. I got to tell you an experience I had. So I met the most, like I mean, the most enlightened individual I've ever met in this particular lifetime. Oh, yeah. Um, and she, I went to her temple, and her temple had like every symbol of every religion of any like thing that she's been on, like whatever, like that was her temple. And she like just started chanting and this, 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 um, magic, I'll say magical dust manifested before me. And she anointed us with that. Like, 
do you have experience with that? Is that very common in India? Because it was it was amazing to me. I actually watched Calcutta, something right? materialize. Yeah. Like, is that common? Well, in India, it's, uh, you know, you can say that it's common at the outer side. But even in the India, I would feel that these masters, these ascended masters, uh, they come at your call. You know, universe calls them for you. If you are uh, the right person, then they will automatically come from anywhere. Right. You know, they will come from anywhere and they will meet you. You know, uh, this is the conspiracy of the universe. I feel in India, I've seen there are a lot of people doing rituals. There are a lot of pundits and Brahmins. There are different priests, high priests, doing a lot of rituals. And uh, I have seen that this game of power and game of manifestation is not at all that much easy as well. I have seen the people who have got the power to uh, meditate and do the manifestation. One of my brothers is in Canada and uh, uh, he got uh, his uh, basic teaching from a person who belongs to the sect of Nath. And the Nath are people which are related to Lord Shiva. And he got mm. the training from that people, that, that cult. And I have seen the power of uh, manifestation in that person and one other person I know. Uh, I came in contact with that person through my mother and he's a very old person. He, he's a tantric, you know, he's into Indian Tantra and mm -hmm. he worships uh, goddess Durga. Uh, I have seen just these two people, just two, three people who are actually capable of manifesting something and curing some kind of uh, issues, some court case issues or some kind of uh, diseases and uh, any kind of uh, broken love or something, you know, anything, they have been able to manifest something in this, to, in this real world. But rest, I have seen many other people, they are doing a lot of rituals and a lot of uh, different uh, worships, but rarely things get manifested, you know, that fast. Yeah. It's not at all that much easy as well, I believe. Even uh, for Crowley as well, I would say that he was a genius person, but I think he, he got consumed by his own powers, you know. It creates some kind of bipolar as well, you know, if you go very deep into that. If you are alone, you know, you do not have anybody... Just imagine that you do not have anybody to talk about and you are watching some kind of, uh, if something actually manifests in, in front of you and you're doing some kind of abramelin kind of ritual and mm -hmm. uh, some extraterrestrial being comes in front of you and then, you know, panic attack. <laughs> you get panic attack and, you know, something happens inside you. You get bipolar or whatever. Your powers consume you, you know. There must be some kind of teacher or there must be some kind of occult person who has got this much of knowledge so that you can at least share something with them. If you're alone, then it's uh, it's a little bit tricky, I believe. He was a genius person and uh, uh, I like him a lot, but his theories and the stuff he has written, it, it seems that he has seen something, you know, uh, which is completely different from this world. So yeah, I, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, it's 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 interesting because I, I think about the the monks like Mount Athos and you know I remember um, there was a guy who kind of like talked to me. It's like you know we had this new monk who sort of said, oh well you know 
he he had all these very interesting theoretical ideas and um had very like just from from a an intellectual perspective like he was right on but the guy kind of said okay well that's great what are you going to do with that like how do you make that work for you how do you make that work for others how do you help people with that like it's great to have that intellectual knowledge but like what do you what do you do with that i mean is that kind of what you're talking about yeah exactly doing something practically see if if you are uh, a good musician then you can do something for yourself for your success and your protection your shielding you know banishing and stuff like that and doing rituals for yourself but if you have got the capability to manifest something for others that is something a bit rare thing that i have seen you know that is what i'm talking about right like doing something for others if you uh, if i am able to manifest something for others if something works for them then i document them but if i have got the power which works 100% every time i do something for others it actually works this thing i feel is rare you know these yeah. kind of people are also there they're also there but it takes a lot of practice i feel or it's a will of universe that they are blessed with something extra there's a book called uh philocalia is it philocalia or philocalia do you happen to know joe philocalia i believe it's um the the uh you know uh whether true or 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 embellished it's um documented uh stories of eastern mystics and by that i mean <laughs> eastern eastern christian so like greek and yeah, uh, russian greek and russians yeah 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 yes, exactly. um so yeah having their um you know they do actually some similar practices sometimes there'd be a monk with a uh, a prayer rope uh saying Kyrie eleison, but they'd inhale Kyrie and exhale eleison, so that they were inhaling God and exhaling Have Mercy, in instead of inhaling uh, Truth and exhaling Identity, as in the Sutta Nam. Um, so it's like, wow, did you get that from someone from India? Like, I mean, it seems seems like at a certain point, Greco-Indian used to be a thing. You know, there was. Um, at, there, there were some of the people that were left behind after Alexander came in that had families in India and kind of introduced some statue making, you know, so that they were making statues of Buddha all of a sudden. And meanwhile, some Buddhist ideas were getting back into Greece. So, I mean, it just it, it, at a certain point, it's not not all that surprising when when East and West mirror each other. Yeah, exactly. And uh, if you if you see deeply that uh, uh, Western occult and Eastern mysticism. At the higher level, they meet at the same point that there is one force which uh, an enlightened being gets submerged into. You know, there's only yeah. one thing that we get at the end. The way is different, but you know, uh, they call it angels or you know some higher beings. We call it devs and, uh, you know, uh, some other terms are there over here. But even though the hierarchy can be different here or there as well, but uh, at the same point, it goes to the same point at the higher level, you know? Yeah. It goes to the you same know, level. But I, I got to tell you, like, I, I'm, you know, and this is just me getting weird on, on everyone. So forgive me. <laughs> 
but like me, I mean, be getting weird, but like seriously, the, um, we call things at least in the West angels and demons. And it's like, okay, you've got humans, you've got critters, you've got angels and you've got demons. And it's like, come on. Like this universe is so big. It's gotta be bigger than that. It can't just be okay. You, you're an angel. So you're going to be good and happy and sparkly and nice. And, and you're a demon. Oh, you're going to be like junky and mean and whatever. And it's like, I, I <laughs> there's like all these, like all these different things in the universe. And like, they're really interesting, and I think it's yeah. kind of like that Star Wars like cantina scene where you know you just have like all sorts of interesting <laughs> critters, and some might be fun to hang out with, and some would be like the Jim you know. Henson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I like, like. I think the tantric. Um, there's like the in the Buddhist sense, there's the uh, the gods, the demigods, the humans, the animals, the hungry ghosts, and those in the hells. And yes, it's like okay. That's that's about I can deal with that. Like that's that's a good categorization system. The tree of life works, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it works. It's it's uh, just like you know, uh, the theory is different, but it's uh, quite close to the Kundalini Shakti and seven chakras. Yeah, those are different worlds that they talk about in Kether and Malkuth. Generally, my understanding, and this is again me getting weird. <laughs> Well, you know, he got weird, so I'll get weird. Um, it seems to me that there were a lot of people from England and, and Germany and other places who, you know, got really bored with sausage or whatever, you know, and, and so they, they went on a, a journey. Maybe they overshot. They went on a journey to, to Jerusalem and got sidetracked or ended up in India or ended up going even further. And then they came back and they just had this sense of, oh, why isn't there anything cool in, you know, where I come from? And so they did their best to, like, pull the cool out of their own cult, like, find and really dig for the gems in their own culture and then mash them all together as if it were all one system. And they eventually came up with what ended up, we, we ended up kind of knowing more or less as the Golden Dawn tradition, which is where Crowley came from. But then he ended up kind of in an interesting point in history where no one had blown the whistle on it yet no one had told the whole world what was going on in this little group in in london um you know so crowley got to be the one to tell everyone and also stick his face on it and 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 change everything a little as he did so it ended up being something that looked a lot like one man's uh, elaborate fantasy but, but was, i mean he was drawing period, from so much but that whole period was so yeah. interesting because i think that there was Very, so much in the balance and i think that there there you know, here's my own weird belief. I actually believe that there are alternate universes where, you know, things happen differently after World War II and, you know, things are different after the, the nuclear bomb. But, like, you know, fortunately we're in, in this one, which is relatively benign. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, except for, like, the, our presidential candidates. But that's a whole other <laughs> category. Um, yeah. But anyway, so, like, but, but uh, you know, honestly, I think... I really think that that Crowley was really at this really interesting time in history where, you know, you had all this change happening and, you know, just, it was, it was such a pivotal point in history. I mean, I could really believe that, you know, where people say, well, this is a different eon, you know, I kind of like, I could say, you know, I, 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 I get that because it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's different than what like, so like, you know, Jesus was doing, for example, it's just different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And I'm really interested to see, you know, if is there an avatar that comes after that's really like a true avatar? And what does he or she come in the form as? I just had a really horrifying and blasphemous thought that Jesus kind of popularized martyrdom in Palestine. Could be. You know, I don't think that that's it's 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 blasphemous. I think that it's potentially reality. I think you look at, you know, as humans, you kind of deal with the tactics of other people that you have and you you have your own paradigm and you want your paradigm and your framework of how religion and the universe works to live. So you're like, okay, well, what works? And you do that, you know. God. It's not until the it, next what gets people's up. attention. Yeah, but it, but I mean, then we get to learn that eventually martyrdom gets old. Yo, I want to, I want, well, I want an, a, the next avatar to be like really super sexy, and then like you know get killed. Oh, David Bowie, somehow, he's like, already coming, coming gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then like, but 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 get gets blown up. But then it was like, no, my magic is better than that. Like I can, I can still live. Like I want the oh, martyr. True. I I want the next avatar to like live through all that and just be like, dude, your bombs do nothing for me. You suck. <laughs> I can cure radiation. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can see that uh, uh, Krishna was kind of that that kind of avatar. You know, you can identify with that kind of avatar. He was. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love his nativity uh, scene where his mother was horrified, (laughs) (laughs) looking into his mouth and seeing all (laughs) galaxies being created and destroyed at once. (laughs) (laughs) That's my kind of nativity scene. Exactly. Not not as not so much with the lambs and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, no lambs there. Well, the lambs were were there, but like really, really super, super giant. You know, infinitesimally tiny. Random strangers showing up. The stars led me here. I guess that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you use... Um, you mentioned that you use your music in conjunction with your magic. Well, music is uh, in India. It's called uh, Nad Yog. It's kind of yog and it's kind of tantra as well. It's called Swar Tantra. That means tantra of notes. The notes mm. that we, the musical notes that we use. So it depends how we use it. Like uh, there are basically uh, three kind of uh, tal or beats. You know, one is medium pace, the medium speed of the beat, and the medium speed of the beat is in which your heart is beating. The normal healthy person's heart beat is a medium pace of uh, tal. And the slower is vilambitle. We call it vilambit, the slower part. That is, mm. in, that is for meditation and for manifesting higher magic, you know. And the medium one is for the worldly materialistic things, to achieve materialistic things. And the faster pace is for destructive magic. For for the beats which are faster can be used for destructive magic on manipulating money, you know, and stuff hmm. like that. Or physical desires. Also, uh, mantras are made by the sounds. For example, uh, 
mantras which we use in something constructive have got comparatively softer sounds in the language in sanskrit and mantras which are used for destruction for death and for you know causing some kind of harm to the other persons they use harsh words like tum ta swaha you know the kind of stress is being given and the softer mantras are like om namah shivaya so they are quite softer in the tone and the mantras which are used to cause death are used like om hum fatam ta swaha these kind of words are used in that these these kind of mantras so it's a, a sound a science of sounds and sound is also music you know and uh, the notes of music are basically uh, you know like do re mi fa sol la ti do you know do re mi fa sol la ti these these seven are sa re ga ma pa dha ni that means 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 chakras it's related to seven chakras the seven nodes are related to seven chakras of our body they clear the seven chakras and if you uh, meditate on all the nodes like it is done in the indian way we take a deep breath and like uh, you know long sound we say oh in the same way we say sa it's a long long sa sa re ga ma pa we say a long pa or in in the vibrato we also say like pa so these kind of sounds clear our internal body vibrato basically clears all the darkness inside and if you use that vibrato and you meditate on the vibrato it uh, you can feel the kundalini evoking you, you can feel the vibration inside then stop that is so cool i love that because i you know in in the the greek uh music tra- the byzantine music tradition you know there are all these things that you talk about but no one writes about the the spiritual nature of of each of the the different things that are evoked and there is a a vibrato thing and it actually like when i think about the um the notation of it where it's like kind of a diagonal and then a cro- a line that reads across that's what it, what you're actually describing and i love that that's fantastic exactly exactly greek music was also very advanced and uh, the way uh, it was written it was completely in detail and uh, indian music was different it was like uh, uh, you know it was spread from master it was given from master to the disciples it was never written so when they saw the people of south india and the people of western civilizations writing music in detail the same kind of detail was present in southern part of india like it was present in uh, greek civilization the northern part of india and the mid part of india was not writing music so they started uh, studying that uh, 
southern indian aspect and uh, the western music written theory how they write volume control vibrato and uh, you know different notes how to take different notes and uh, different modulations in the voice pitching and tone so they started writing each and everything now many of the ragas and many of uh, the written things are there and they are conserved for the next generations this is this was the work of uh, two two people that was bath kande and uh, vishnu digambar and both of people were spiritual in nature as well and they were the great musicians as well in india and they nice. gave a lot of work which was related to musical uh, how music was related to our seven chakras and uh, how it was related to our you know the astral worlds how we can evoke the powers i was reading some quote from uh, alan moore it was written that uh, in his interview he was he was saying that all art artistry performing arts music is a kind of wizardry and you can see its power by the amount of people which go crazy which are artists themselves their art consumes them maybe they do not know that with their music they are evoking demons or they are evoking angels they are what kind of energy they are evoking sometimes even artists does not know and most of the times artists themselves go crazy you know most of the yeah. artists you would see in depression you know this is a kind of chaotic power which is not easy to tame so it's just practice and devotion and you know surrender to your art that would save you you know the commitment yeah. i would say this is also kind of wizardry even yeah. alan moore was saying the same and some other greek philosophers the ancient ones were writing the same you might be interested um and maybe one or two people in the audience don't know um in western esoterica they've developed specifically used in Paul Foster Case's lineage i.e. builders of the Adidam fraternity of hidden light and but there's a, apparently a few golden dawn orders that also have adopted this practice and at one time I thought I invented it but I didn't it just is something that I thought I came up with I literally painted my keyboard thinking I was having this ingenious idea and then it turned out that they already do this but uh the <laughs> what the idea is is that you have the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet and I'm just going to do the quick version and since this is recorded you can listen to it a few times but I'll just okay. lay it all out so if you if you google the image for rose cross lamen then you have okay. like the uh the colored rose in the middle you have Ultimately there's only 12 colors even though there's 22 letters. And on that same octave that you were saying that you had the seven chakras if you look at it in a certain way there's 12 half steps. Yes, so it's exactly. not just so it's you know there's um 
all these little half steps. And so the colors line up with those. Now, the, this isn't mathematically accurate. This was before they were able to measure this. And so if they had done this now, it probably would have been the exact opposite of what it is. So I literally painted my keyboard the opposite of this. But this is the accepted way. And I eventually had to change the way that I did it to, to be in line with the way that everyone else in Western Esoterica was doing it, which is that uh, C is red, C sharp is red orange, D is orange, and you can extrapolate the rest based on that. Um, so each of the letters, for example, Aleph, Mem, and Shin, Aleph is yellow, Mem is blue, and Shin is red. So you'd play a, a C for Shin, and you'd play, I don't know off the top of my head, but you, you get the idea. So yeah, the end result... The end result is when you go to their meetings and, you know, that you hear the way they're singing and sometimes it's really weird and it sounds really odd because they're saying, uh, you know, and there's like weird chords. And so they'll say, that's not exactly right. But, uh, when, when you kind of know where they're coming from, then you can think when they do yod, you go, oh yeah, yellow, green. That's that's the hermit card. That's the path that connects Typhirit with Chesed. Then they say, hey, and you go, oh, yeah, that's red because it's Aries and it's the emperor card that connects uh, Chokmah with Typhirit. And then they say, Vav, and you say, oh, yeah, that's red-orange. So it's slightly above the red pitch. And that's the Hierophant card that connects Chokmah with Chesed. And then, hey, oh, that's the second hey. So, I mean, you can literally kind of, yeah, I mean, I, in a, from a certain point of view, at least the way I used to teach it, it's just something to give the monkey mind something to do, you know, while the spirit can actually connect. Okay, so honestly, God, I'm gonna have a rant now. And my okay, rant, okay. my rant is against Prince. And <laughs> my it's Prince because you know what? Yeah. I loved Prince when I was like a teenager and just like discovered music. And he was a genius and he knew all the stuff. And yet yeah. he wouldn't allow any of his stuff on YouTube. He would he had all control over everything. Yeah, he didn't so have a will play. and then he died. And it's like, you know what? That's what happened to Eleusinian music, because what happened is that the the Greek Orthodox Church assumed all that stuff from like ancient Greek music, like the eight tones, that was totally an ancient thing that did not exist before Christ. That was pre-Christian, okay. like all their tones, all their music was pre-Christian. And mm -hmm. so what you don't have is you don't have the context of like, okay, you're doing this. But it means this. So like the whole vibrato thing where you're like, from an Indian perspective, you're like, you know, vibrato is about cleansing the, the chakra. It's about cleansing the, the aura. And it's like, wow, like I would never have gotten that from anywhere else. And it's like, and no teacher today is going to be able to teach you that because they don't know it because it's all pre-Christian. So you know exactly. what, Prince? Like, thanks for not creating a will. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you, Prince. I love you, Prince, and I hope you like hang out with me when we're dead. But whatever. When I'm getting really getting into some good ritual work, I'll find a pitch that just resonates with the whole room, and I can feel moving through me, and it's just is just right on. And I'm sure that something's going on. I I I didn't. You know, but it I is wasn't going on, and this is what I hate. It's like this stuff hasn't been documented. It's like yeah. documented so people can use it. It's not. Fit. It's not right. I mean, you know, there's something to be said for very, very, very advanced techniques to be hidden so that it doesn't get used wrong. Because I learned healing some healing techniques where it's like 
oh, wow, I could actually use this to do really bad things, and I don't want to. And I yeah. wouldn't teach anyone to do that. But come on, like, these are very basic things. Just, like, let people know this stuff is real so that they can go further and they can expand and and really go further with their practice. It was very interesting that the, uh, I mean, because I'm, of course, familiar with a lot of the Om Namaha Shivaya, like that type of of yeah. mantra. And and so it's interesting to hear that in the greater context of yeah that comes from from this other, from this system of magic where there's also ways that if you're saying these these other harsher words or these harsher syllables with different intentions you could be doing attack magic it's like oh of course in a way you know but it's interesting that in uh, the way that it's coming through to the West through yoga classes and studios and all kinds of things is we only get the good stuff we only get the sugar coated stuff yes exactly. But in a way, like, you'd be silly, like, if you've gotten that evolved, if you realize that all the stuff that you're experiencing is all in your own personal universe, to attack anything or anyone is counterproductive. To hurt yourself. It's, it's the, like, cutting. Yeah, like, you're yeah. silly to be doing it. Like, you don't want to do it. You, like, it's, like, oh. confront. You know what? Here's the thing. I had this, like, horrible, like, the, there was this woman at work a long time ago who was just like, I perceived her in my own time. She was like being such a bitch. And it's like, what? It, like, it was so needless. I'm like, like, she would just be such like, just bitchy, just to be bitchy. And I'm like, what is your problem? So, you know what I did? I actually was like, okay, I'm going to do the white lighter thing. And I'm going to do um, a modified version of what I would do before I knew magic. And I'm going to do, um, this thing that my order did called a comfort ritual. And I just did those things every day where it was literally just like, you know what? I want you, even though you're being a bitch to me, I want you to be well. And I want you to like get what you need. Cause I can't give it to you. And honest to God, after I did like seven of those, she was the most awesome person to me. And she like was my biggest ally. And she was like the wind under my wings she really was, but not until I did that. And hmm. so, but I could have, if I had known more, if I had known more techniques, I could have been like, okay, I'm going to evoke this shit on you and you're going to die. And that, honestly, like that would not have been the lesson to learn. I wish, right. I'm glad that I learned the lesson that I learned, which is like, you know what? Just like give her what she needs and like, she'll help me. And that's what happened, and it was great. Yeah. That's nice. So, anybody uh, amongst you, have you ever tried any kind of baneful magic? Painful? Painful? Baneful magic. What do you mean? Or, you know, the destruction magic, or, you know, causing some kind of harm. If somebody has troubled you a lot, like, you know, somebody has stolen your money, or your girlfriend, or something, you know, then... Yeah. If he's not stopping constantly, even, you know, it is written in Bible that there was psalm, uh, psalm from uh, David, that's Psalm number 109, and the kind of words that are written in that psalm, they are the kind of words you would not even expect from any saint. But it's like the last resort that if somebody is not stopping, you know, and he's constantly creating problems to your family, and just to save your family, hmm. as a last resort, you have to do it. You know, 
So yeah, you know, like that kind of thing. I, I, yeah. So I will I will tell you, and I will tell you that um, it's the most that period was the most shameful period of my life. But mm-hmm. um, uh, I will tell you that I thought that it was the last resort, and I did that, and um, the result of of all that, like when you when you fast forward the the, the tape um, a year hence, I came back and actually I, I never, I never did that kind of stuff against a non-magical person. First of all, um, if you were non, if you were non-magical, I would not do that kind of stuff against you, but to magical Uh people, I, I only did it against, I only did it for what I thought was my order. And, um, and, and those people like that, that I did that to, I actually came back to and I was like, you know what, look, you have no reason to forgive me, but um, here's what I did, and I did it against you, and I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry, because I wish I had never done that. And that's the reality, because, you know, when you think about the magical community, like, it has to be, it must be everything. It must be everything from temple set to things that you relate to, to things that you don't understand, to things that you're kind of like, I don't know about that. And it's got to be everything because we're all brothers and sisters. We really are. And we have to realize that. And we have to be the ones that, that elevate the rest of humanity up to where we are. And um, I was, I was, you know, I take full responsibility for the stuff that I did, and I'm very, very sorry. But yes, I did it, and um, I, I'm, I'm, you know, very sorry for that. It's wrong, and I don't care who you are. If you're remotely magical, you're thinking about magic or or whatever. Um, you should never hurt or harm a magical brother or sister. Yes, exactly. But I feel that uh, daily uh, ritual of cleansing and shielding and banishing, if your ancestors and your guardian angels are strong enough and you do that regularly, then I feel that there is no need for, if the defense is good, then there is no need of attack, I believe. I totally agree with that. And thank you for saying that. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, Edward, any anything else that uh, you would want to share that uh, the best experience of yours in the meditation or in yoga or wizardry or any kind of uh, thing that the ritual that best was your experience. best in which you mm. felt the deepest of meditation? Mm. That's a good question. You know, I mean, honestly, I... Um... partly because it was such a flow reversal for me because my dad and I kind of, when I grew up, you know, he was talking about, oh yeah, your Christian grandma thinks this and that, you know, and their stupid guilt thing. So I kind of always had this internal dialogue of, yeah, Christians. Yeah. And so then when I was in my twenties and I embraced the, the golden dawn path, eventually it leads to some very Christian symbolism in the inner order. And yeah. so in order to progress at a certain point, I had to kind of embrace that. And I ended up embracing it 
as more than I expected I was going to, and and I decided to join the Catholic Church, uh, in in particular. Uh, a branch where the Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church seem to be coming together, i.e. the Russian Orthodox Catholic Church, um, on account of the actual Russian Orthodox Church being so tied into the Russian government and previously the USSR. Uh, well, it's a long story. Anyway, I, um, I, so that's where I was at in my 20s. I'm not, this was probably <laughs> about 13 years ago. And, um, and so I would do this ceremony where we would go through each of the 14 stations of the cross as named in Latin by St. Francis and visualize them. And and we had, we had attributed certain divine names from our system onto those symbols. And then we would interpret them in an esoteric way, meditate on them, really delve into them deeply, personify them, imagine ourselves going through them. And I was probably the only one that took it to such an extreme that when it got to the station where they put the nails through his hands, I had a little razor or a little pin and I'd cut my arm, my, my, uh, my palms and my, the bottoms of my feet and then my side. And then when it got to the point where he died, I'd do my best to let all the air out and completely stop as best I could. And then I I experienced the resurrection. I did that every day for a long time. You are so fucking hardcore. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) But I honestly, that was some of my most profound experiences. I have to admit, um, you know, and I would listen to John Michael Talbot and sing along and dance around. And it was just all just so... Dude, okay, okay, stop at the top. Listen to John Michael <laughs> Talbot urge you a special place in, like, Christian heaven, even though, like, you're such an apostate. Like, and that's why I love you. We're, go- we're going to... The sa- if, if we go to hell, we're, go- we're going to be in the same realm, and we're- I'm going to fix you cocktails. Michael- I'll, I'll, be your, I'll be your cocktail <laughs> server. <laughs> I'll have to, I'll put I'll put some John Michael Talbot in the background so that when you listen to this later you can hear what we're talking about. I'll be rolling oh, yeah. my eyes and shaking your That's cocktail, true. honey. <laughs> also, uh, what do you what do you think if if you we're talking about Christianity, there were uh, different orders that were you know. Um, they used to study Christianity and uh, the tantric aspect of Christianity in deeper way, like Golden Dawn did. Like, uh, uh, what what do you think about this Freemasons? The Freemasonry is it all about deeper aspects of Christianity and the technical aspects of Christianity, or is it mixture of Egyptian, Christian, and uh, Buddhist, Eastern, and everything? What is Freemasonry, actually? Right, right. I think that, you know, I mean, I wish there was more of the former, um, but uh, definitely a lot of the latter. It's um, it, what it is, from my understanding, just kind of what it became. And I'm ignorant. I'm not a member. My my dad was, and a lot okay. of the people on my mom's side was. So my kind of my limited surface understanding is it's kind of an esoteric uh, look at kind of the uh, the Temple of Solomon and the... Uh, the ideal, the sort of the idealized, idealistic order 
that uh, that seem to be instructed directly by God, the great architect from a Masonic point of view, uh, tell, telling exactly how everything should be built and what everybody should be doing. And so they do their best to kind of embody that they're all like priests in an old school sense, but in a post-Jesus sense, but in more recently they're opening to other faiths and that kind of thing. I don't think there's been a ton. I think if anybody was doing Tantra in a Masonic temple, it was no. against the wishes of the brother the other yeah. brethren i, I gotta um, tell you I, I you know to, to burst your bubble a little bit um and to also add my own story and edit ed you can edit this out as much as you want oh no it's but, fine. but i remember you were there at at um my grandmother's requiem so my I, I think about when i think about the freemasons i think about my grandmother my grandfather so my grandfather okay. was like beyond mason he was this he lived in Southern Ohio, like a very rural area. And he was into all of it. Like he really believed, um, in all of it. And I don't, I didn't understand until later, like how much he really, like that was his faith. Like he was more of a Freemason than he was. Like they didn't go to church. My, my grandfather and grandmother didn't go to church because they, they believed they, they had seen the churches around like where their area was. And they're like, yeah, not so much. Um, but my grandmother was um, Eastern Star, and my grandfather was okay. like, uh, like the thirty-second degree Mason Shriner. Like, all did all sorts of things. Like, he really helped people. And he left okay. behind books and things that I know he wanted um, me to read, and I know he wanted his son to have been a Mason. You know been all of that and he he decided not to um and my grandma died and she was everything to me she was the world to me and i asked my order that ed and i were in to do a requiem for her and they did and um it was funny uh there was a woman who was the um, the premonstrator of our order, which means she was the head of teaching for our order. And she okay. said, her, her perspective was that, I'm not going to do, we shouldn't do requiems for people who aren't in Golden Dawn or uh, Masonry or whatever. Okay. And um, she, um, but my grandmother appeared during, during the requiem for her. And um, she was really happy. And she, came in her fur coat like she she appeared to people in her fur coat and and my you know that that premonstrator asked me she's like she was in this fur coat like she was like i was trying to imagine her as this older woman and she was like no 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 i don't look like the, that i look like this and uh she was in her fur coat and i'm like oh yeah well she it was it was in depression times and she worked in a factory and she worked and worked and worked until she could afford a fur coat and that was her mm. biggest pride and joy that she could buy a fur coat for herself. And so it was very real. Like the image that she got was very real. And, you know, the, the, the masonry thing, I think it's just, you know, there's so much to it and it's, it's really all encompassing. And, um, it must be vast, you know, it's must be vast because, uh, do, do you feel that it's, it, they are collective knowledge of all the cultures and all 
different rituals no. of different no. You know. I think the Jesuits tried for that, but that with a Christian, you know, thing at the center, of course. The Golden okay. Dawn, unfortunately, from what I understand. Now there's a few different manifestations of Golden Dawn, and there's people that are really pulling away from the Christian-centered thing. Uh, we happen to come from one that was um embracing and even emphasizing the Christian-centered thing. Um so I mean, there's a lot of different evolutions happening. It, it's okay. it's it seems like uh, anybody, if someone's like, "Well, I like the Rosicrucian thing and I like the Egyptian thing, but I don't like the Christian thing," it's like, "Okay, Amork," you know, "Okay, well, or whatever," you know. I mean, maybe they have a Christian thing. I don't know, but I mean, it seems it seems like there's more more and more like custom made uh, paths for for people. I don't know. I don't know if that's I, positive I, or not. Yeah, you know, I think that that like, you know, it's not. People think that oh, there's this Masonic conspiracy or whatever, and it really isn't true. If like only. You know, exactly. Like if I the wish... Masons were in charge, I think we'd probably be a lot better off. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, I remember. Um, so there's this guy, like, and I, I'm not going to say his name, but he knows who he is, and he's in um, he's in Austin, and I love my brothers and sisters in Austin, love them so much, <laughs> but. Like they, you know, there was this thing that it's like, oh well, there's this conspiracy, and it's got to be through the Golden Dawn, or it's got to be through, you know, the Freemasons or whatever, and and it's really not like, like the humans who are down here, who are in the ranks, like we, like, look, we're just trying to find our way, we're trying to find like how to just make our lives better and and help other people along the way, and um. You know, there's no like mass conspiracy that we know of. You know, if I if, if if there were, then I would try to you know get underneath it and make sure that me and my peeps were okay. Um, well, it's but being that's... exposed. It's a conspiracy everybody knows about. You know, it's the the billionaires using all their their overt now uh, means of of maintaining control, and then you know. So it's interesting. An interesting time. I mean, it used to be people shouting on the streets. Now it's a presidential candidate saying it. So that's interesting. Yeah, and it's really yeah. weird how it's all manifesting. Yeah. So, Mister Sodi, like, what do you think about this? Like, like, how do you how do you view this from from not being in the U.S.? What city are you in, by the way? Uh, I'm in capital city, nearby the capital city in India. Okay. So there's a and, fort nearby. Uh, yeah, it it Little is uh, it is almost nearby. Okay. And uh, by the way, I was uh, studying something about masonry, and I was finding out the lodges, and uh, suddenly I found Grand Lodge in New Delhi, in capital city, and that is in the heart <laughs> wow. of Delhi. <laughs> I wanted to wow. at least meet them and uh, see what exactly it is and what kind of hall they have prepared for their rituals and everything. And the tools, yeah. I was very confused about the tools that they use. They are actually Masonic tools, which Masons use, the engineers use, you know, and uh, how they use it in their rituals and magical rituals, what exactly it is. That is what I wanted to study in. Yeah, the exactly. the sort of folklorish thing that uh, that uh, I mean, it's it's probably not true, you know, but it's the word around the campfire that I got somehow. It's a story I like to perpetuate, is that um, 
you know, when the Templars, originally there were these guys who were like, hey, we're going to guard the road for pilgrims to go to Jerusalem. And then they ended up taking over Jerusalem. But then 80 years later, there were some people that had actually started working with locals and working with people in Africa and working with people in, in you know, beyond over toward India. And they were like, you know, we've really got a working system now. And then they got kicked out of Jerusalem. They had to go back to, say, Italy or wherever. And they, they went to the Pope at the time and said, hey, we've got all these traditions and things and we kind of want to keep doing it and the pope said okay just kind of keep it on the down low and everything will be fine and and we know that you have glass you know uh stained glass making technology now so go ahead and build the churches and it'll be fine and they said okay we want to use the churches in the middle of the night for our funky weird goat rituals and uh we want to use like a middle part so we can bury a guy in there and there's some really funky stuff we're doing now and they were like okay well you know that's fine you can use it at night and the priest will use it during the day and then one day uh, the, the, the French king owed too much money to the Templars and so on and so forth. His cousin was Pope at the time, so uh, he had them all declared devil worshippers in there, you know, 1307, the famous Black Friday. So yeah. then some of them hid out in Scotland and then eventually became the Masons. <laughs> And okay. um, and so so they used to build churches. The the tradition goes that they know how to lay the bricks real good. They know how to build those really awesome medieval Gothic, interesting looking cathedrals all throughout Europe. And they used okay. to that was what the ba- what the mystical tradition was based on. And now they're Freemasons and they're doing their own thing and they're they're different okay. now. They're businessmen and well, they're just. But of course, the idea I don't know of Freemasons was that no one could do that 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 work themselves, and they were really clever about like saying okay. How do we make ourselves indispensable and such that we can travel the country? Secrets. And, you know, that's what they, what they did. And that was yeah. brilliant of them because, like, everyone wanted to build big cathedrals and big, you know, arch- you know big architectural things. It was, that, the, that... it was the movies of the time. I mean, stained glass. Yeah. I mean, the sun through stained glass was as interesting as it got back then. I mean, through with incense. Are you kidding? That's um, that's like a psychedelic trip. <laughs> and then some guy booming voice telling you you're going to hell. Oh, that's where it goes wrong, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I don't so know. Was it, that the question? Did you did we answer the question? Masons. Yeah, yeah no, they're interesting. I I I, I think it'd be a cool in, thing. In the in the same way, uh as the word suggests, I was uh, uh I'm the kind of wizardry that I study and I do is that basically yoga practices combined with tantra and uh, witchcraft and voodoo part because i use a lot of uh, bible psalms in my voodoo practice and i use uh, the way the witchcraft works the craft of a witch so as the word suggests i was studying the ancient folklore it was written there that as the word suggests witchcraft is actually the craft of a witch you know the kind of artistry or something that um, somebody is making pottery or somebody is doing their another kind of craft and they put their intentions and their chants and their rituals and their magic into that craft and that craft itself becomes magic a very mm. potent and living magic you know here here's here's my thought and this is just my thought i you know, you could you can totally refute that, and and it would be fine with me and whatever. But like, I think that when you get into things like sexuality and and jiggery pot, <laughs> I 
can't say uh, what jiggery, jiggery pokery and whatever but like you know like if if you're going there with your students it's sort of like look you should tell them at the time that they they join your school look like at some point i'm gonna fuck you or you're gonna fuck me and like <laughs> that's gonna happen or or like no that's ne- never gonna happen like don't worry about it like don't yeah, be upfront about, your about sexuality. it yeah like whatever you're gonna be like be upfront about like whatever you're gonna do like this is gonna be part of the curriculum and um it's gonna like it this is gonna take you to this place i think it's great like whatever you're gonna do but like people need to like Am I gonna fuck you? Are you gonna fuck me? Like that's when you get a tantra, like that's really important. Right. That's how it's expressed mostly here in California and in Arizona. And but I mean the way that my dad taught me Tantra when I was five certainly what didn't involve any fucking between us. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> well there 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 actually I I, I, I wanna tell you there are actually two types of uh, two types of uh, tantra. Basic oh tantras. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, died a little bit over here. <laughs> hey, we talked about the perineum, you know, but that's as sexual as it got. You know, there's a that's muscle between the anus and the Money. balls. He didn't touch it. <laughs> he just made reference when you're sitting on a bicycle. That's the part that's pressed down on the bicycle seat. So, like, <laughs> lift up on that to get taller on the bicycle. And you do that while you're meditating or while you're in a yoga pose, and it helps. And it's that's the big dirty secret that's been being passed down from uh, dirty old man to dirty old man for centuries. It taint the yep. front and it taint the back. <laughs> it's just the tank. There, there, there are two parts in uh, the Tantra, the ancient one. In, in one book, Shiva is the master, and his wife Parvati or Durga is the student. That Tantra is related to uh, occult manipulation of forces and higher magic, of uh, evoking the powers and. Uh, Evoking your different archetype abilities, uh, like creating different demons out of yourself and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. creating uh, yourself as a destruction god or making yourself as a creative person, creative god, something like that. That was the Tantra of Shiva. And there's another book in which Goddess Parvati, that means his wife, is a master and Shiva is her student. Mm-hmm. That book is a sex tantra actually parvati the goddess is teaching him sex tantra that is actually sex tantra and it is quite vast and uh, you know it can be done alone as well and with your wife or with your girlfriend you know it can be done like that so tantra one and tantra two yeah and hmm. mostly when i used to talk with the uh, uh, females uh, on phone, especially the American girls, uh, some of the witches I used to talk to, and uh, to clear some doubts. Whenever I used to talk in the groups related to Tantra, then uh, suddenly uh, the women, you know, they used to rebuke me at some point. Uh, 
Their anus would snap shut, is what we say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one day, one girl, she she told me that whenever you're talking to an American girl, she herself was an American, and she told me that, uh, are you familiar with what kind of tantra uh, people are practicing over here? Uh, I said that uh, I am familiar, I believe. So $1,500 said, for I... a weekend of clitoral stimulation. Yeah, of course, everybody knows that. <laughs> she said, oh my God, $1,500? Think... Where do we get that job? <laughs> she said that I don't think that you're familiar with the kind of tantra that we are practicing. So I told her that, uh, I asked her that, uh, please let me know if I have any doubts regarding the same. And she said that if you're talking to any American girl, please beware. They are all practicing sex, sex tantra. And if you are trying to talk to American girl regarding Tantra, then you are actually flirting with her. <laughs> so, so Yeah, all- that's how it comes across. But it means web, right? It's yeah. the web, that the interconnectedness of all life that you can see when you're on mushrooms. It's boring <laughs> to have sex on mushrooms. Yeah. yeah, I know. There's so much more interesting things. I mean, unless you're really horny, obviously. But I mean, you know, like a lot of the times, the, 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 just the color of the sunset is far more interesting. And that's Tantra. It's all part of the web. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd rather look at the sunset on mushrooms than like be boinking. Yeah. I mean, the flight, I remember my, my teacher, Gordon, he was mostly, he was teaching me Zazen, but he, he had a bit of background in this sort of thing. And he was trying, I was a kid, you know, so I was 18, I was hung up on a girl and, uh, and he was watering his plants and he was saying, don't you smell it? All these plants are having an orgasm right in front of your face and it's going on inside (laughs) your body. And there's so much more to this energy than just in your fucking crotch, Edward. You know, I'm like, oh, He's trying to get me to yeah you know the the thing i keep remembering is like there was a um do you guys ever remember the uh the madonna movie truth or dare where she's like you know all try to be all sexual and like doing her concert thing i have but... medusa dare to be truthful memorized but, no, no, no. but last oh, i haven't yet no, seen the original. that's the one but like the oh. dare to be truthful <laughs> is like the true version of madonna dare to be uh, of truth or dare yeah which yeah. is hysterical, where she's like, <laughs> you know, where it's also so shallow, and it's sort of like, oh, you know, <laughs> don't need to pay me, this boink's on me. <laughs> you know, so, you know, that's what most Tantra kind of is in America. And really, it's it's much more well, than yeah, that. Well, yeah, because our our sense of sexuality is retarded. I mean, I don't mean to use the R word. It it's, is. It's 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 slowed. It is. Yeah. A, it's boring. A, yeah, and I mean, it's it's on the billboards. The Victoria's Secret. It's just used to sell things. They it's they choose. Boring. They, they choose the, the the you know a certain type, and then they Photoshop her, and then everybody walks around depressed that they don't look like something that's that's a cartoon anyway. But no, you know what I love about it. I would love to hear your perspective on this, um, Mister Soti, because honestly, like the the idea of sexuality, I learned this from my very first teacher in the Golden Dawn, who was um, Sor R D, and I'm not going to mention her name, but I love no, her. everybody knows Sor R D. Anyway, she like what she told me is that like what she taught me when I finally got there was that you're sexual because you're a human being. 
it doesn't matter what yeah. you look like or what your form is or whatever you're sexual because of who you are. And that's a function of the universe. And yeah. that energy just exists. And it's all about channeling that it doesn't matter. Like, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, being a billboard on, you know, central park, like that doesn't matter. To, it, 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 it's irrelevant. It's all about like just being who you are. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There was a master in uh, India. Uh, later, he uh, went to America and uh, he was exiled from all the countries. Master Osho. Master Acharya. <laughs> yeah. Rajneeshboro, the, the Rajneesh city up in Oregon. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Corrections Department. The correct name of the city is Rajneesh Puram, which was not in my history books. Flint Ridge. My knowledge of that part of history comes from episode 184 of the podcast 99% Invisible. He translated a lot of uh, uh, Sikh books, our books as well. And a mm. lot of Tantra as well, Bharat Tantra and different kind of Tantra as well. He taught depth of meditation, which are taught in Tantra, every kind of Tantra. And uh, the di- only difference is that in, in, in the occult societies uh, in Thelema, I believe, and uh, in, in, in voodoo kind of magic, our sexual energy can be used to manifest something constructive or destructive as well. Sigils can be charged or, you know, you can send the energy. But in India, in Tantra, uh, people, the gods have made it in such a way and it's written in such a way that it's only used for higher magic. It's better to use it only for higher magic, like evoking your uh, Kundalini Shakti and, uh, you know, cleansing all your chakras and increasing your uh, you can say that your physical sexual power and also uh, you can say that after you do the tantric sex uh, basically your mental level and your sexuality becomes like a silent sea you know not a sea with a lot of waves it becomes like a silent sea of tantric sex. So it's more like this. And uh, you have used your energy to uh, kind of heal your chakras and the energy while sex is moving from you to your lady, from lady to you, to you, from you again to the lady, from lady again to you. So it's forming a kind of circle, you know, and it's... Uh, moving, 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 and it's cleaning both of your chakras. And once you're done, you can continue for a long time. And once you're done, and once you're into orgasm, that orgasm would be uh, longer and it would calm us down. And uh, the mind would be very much stable. Yeah, sexual feelings are still going to come. But, you know, comparatively mind would be very very calm it would be very very calmer 
that mm. that was uh, what exactly tantric sex was and uh, what indian teachings teaches that it's it's better not to use sexual energy to do harmful magic for others you can use any other energy of yours but not the sexual energy because it you're you're actually using directly your kundalini power your serpentile mm. power sexual energy is our kundalini power and we are directly using our kundalini power for a for a dark purpose and you mm. are darkening your sexual energy what other Maybe. power can be drawn from I mean, in, in, the, in that example, like if you were going to do something dark, you don't want to use your kundalini energy. So I imagine using my left hand, doing it kind of out of my own vision of, you know, range of vision, calling on a, a, a demon to do my bidding yeah, for yeah. me. Maybe, maybe nature forces, nature spirits, or you can say, uh, you know, your ancestors or uh, anything oh. else for, for the help. Your chants can be used. Your words can be used. The visualizations can be used. But not directly the sexual energy, you know. I'll probably just avoid it altogether. I do my best to. Sometimes I'll get cut off in traffic, and I'll imagine the car blowing up, you know, or something, and I'm just like, "Oh my god!" You know, no wonder I haven't been given my own my my superpowers that are inherent within my inner godness, you know. If I'm going to be using them like that, you know, just so easily provoked. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that you want to mention before we close up the interview? Yeah, just that uh, I would like to mention that uh, in my work, in my study, I would favor one thing that doesn't matter how much deep study we do, whatever we do, whatever ritual we do. It was written in our book. And the masters, Sikh masters have also uh, written. The meaning is very deep. They're saying that prayers are not going to help. Chants are not going to help. All the rituals are not going to give you enlightenment. All the books, all the masters and everything else, you can read, 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 and you can read for lifetimes. It's not going to give us enlightenment. But... Only your truth, only your true connection with the supreme energy inside yourself, if that connection is true, that is going to work. That means he's not saying, he's not condemning the prayer, he's not condemning the chants, he's not condemning the meditation or the masters. He's saying in all the rituals, in all the, all, uh, you know, chants, in any, anything that you're doing, in anything that we're doing, the basic thing which should be there in order to make it effective is the depth and in the meditation. The meditation, the samadhi should be there. Once the samadhi, the trance state is there, the altered consciousness in which uh, we, we, we see the higher uh, paths inside us, we see the higher chakras. Once that that thing is done in any ritual, in any meditation, in any chant or in any prayer, once that is achieved, everything is fruitful. Until, in, until uh, we're, our mind is wavering here and there, 
in the worldly things and we are doing some ritual and our mind is not completely focused the thing is very simple that he is he is uh, trying to explain that mind should be aware it's like what you call mindfulness you know yeah he's is just trying to explain he's just trying to explain that whatever we are doing it should be with such close awareness that we are here now in the present moment during the ritual everything that we are doing it's complete consciousness and it's complete meditation it's totally meditation it's like that we have forgotten the ritual we are doing the ritual but still we have forgotten the ritual and we are just into the meditation body is doing the ritual but we are doing just meditation until and unless this thing is uh, achieved nothing would be fruitful and once this thing is achieved for a meditator once a person starts meditating and once a person starts feeling the uh, trance state it would be easy uh, i feel you would be able to relate with that because you you were doing a lot of rituals and stuff like that and chakra meditation as well so yeah, trance definitely. state is a thing that we uh, we feel even in the trance state sometimes a lot of thoughts come but if we are aware the master is only going uh, is uh, is only trying to explain that your mind should be just aware and it should be in the present moment if you are fully here now while any ritual any prayer everything would be fruitful and everything would be like meditation the life would be like meditation so this is what i want to say and uh, this is uh, uh, what i want to experience myself as well in future i feel like there's a connection between that idea and um the quote that jesus said seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and the rest will be given unto you exactly 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 it's beautiful that is why uh, many things in bible many things in uh, you know torah as well book of moses they are very i feel the bible is extremely magical book it's extremely yeah. magical book and uh, many things which may seem unscientific are actually not in the real world but actually they are deep level of meditation that we actually feel during our meditation that is what i feel It's, it's it's beautiful book and uh, psalms and everything they actually work Absolutely. do you have a book recommendation for someone who might be interested in uh the sikh religion and then also tantra uh i feel there are a lot of books It, our gurus our masters have jotted down very beautiful uh written uh there there are a lot of written uh testaments of different saints at least 36 saints are written in our book of all the communities they have not uh, uh, suppressed any community our masters have taken testaments of all the great masters all the enlightened ascended masters but the thing is that uh, the ancient they, they have not just written whatever is written in, in our holy book 
Their writings were far more than this. They have written a lot of Tantra as well. But Sikh people do not know about that. They would condemn that because, uh, you know, the masters have, uh, you know, wandered around this world. Guru Nanak Dev, there, there was a person, there was a saint called Guru Nanak Dev. He has went to four different parts of the world in his journey. He has went to China, he has went to Russia, he has went to southern part of India. He has went to Afghanistan as well. So he was very popular in different places. And uh, it's not just that uh, he has written Guru Granth Sahib, our holy book. He has written a lot of texts and he has given a lot of books, a lot of secret books to many different kings of different places who were his disciples. And uh, you can read holy book of Sikhs and you can uh, read. It's called Guru Granth Sahib. You can type. I, I will send okay. you the name. Oh, you thank can you. Read Guru Granth Sahib in English. You can read Bhagavad Gita in English. You can read there. If you search different types of Gita, Gita is actually conversation between master and a disciple. There are five, six type of Gitas. One is Bhagavad Gita. It is a conversation between uh, Prince Arjun and Lord Krishna. And Lord Krishna is giving knowledge and wisdom to Arjun. The second Gita is Ashtavakra Gita. There is a one saint called Ashtavakra. He is giving wisdom to a king called Raja Janak, King Janak. That is Ashtavakra Gita. The third one is Guru Gita. In that uh, one Guru, his name was uh, Guru Datatre. He is giving wisdom to one of his disciples. And just like that, there is Shiv Gita. In that, Lord Shiva is giving teachings to uh, Lady Parvati. So these are the conversations between masters and the disciples. A lot of questions. And you would see that in the same way, whatever feeling we feel in this world, in this lifetime, every situation and everything that you would get in Bible, you will always get that in Bible. All kind of situations, all kind of depressions and tensions and everything, misunderstandings happening in our life, everything we feel in our life, you will get that, the answers in Bible. In the same way, all the events, major or minor, just like tarot cards, major arcana and minor arcana, major events of life, phases of life, and minor events happening in our life, all the details, all our mental, uh, the kind of torture sometimes we feel and the levels of energy we feel inside our mind. All the things are written inside Bhagavad Gita. You'll find each and everything in Bhagavad Gita. You'd find kind of meditations in Bhagavad Gita. You'd find a uh, lot of psychology in Bhagavad Gita. So Bhagavad Gita would be one of the best readings that... Uh, best Indian books that you can read and our Sikh book which is uh, Guru Granth Sahib and apart from that if you uh, like poetry then you can read Hajrat Rumi he is a Sufi mm. he was a Sufi mystic and yeah, uh, I love him. Rumi is very good I mean his poetry is in coded language 
and actually he's explaining the kind of meditation he is doing and the, the feelings and the experiences that he is getting in his meditation mm-hmm. his encounters with god or his encounters with the universe you know hafiz is another one i like from persia hafiz is very good yeah nice well thank you so much for being our guest tonight on the esoteric nerd podcast well thank you very much adward it was nice talking to you and joe as well absolutely Bye-bye. thank you Bye-bye. Thank you, Amandeep Sodi, for being our guest tonight. Thank you to Joe Shantz for being my co-host. Thank you to Jean-Michel Jarre for providing oxygen for the background in Transformations and Footnotes. Thank you to the Greek Byzantine choir Makris for that Easter liturgy. And thank you to Brian Dahl, he could hear briefly in the background during that same segment. Thank you to Jean-Michel, or rather John Michael Talbot, for providing one body and a great body of, of uh, music. For us to listen to when we're in weird moods. Thank you to Julie Brown for vague slash party in my pants. Thank you as always to Susumu Ueda, as well as his father and the other monks at the Jofukuin Temple on Mount Koyasan for providing the music we're hearing right now. And to identical twins Camille and Kennerly for providing the harp intro and outro to the interviews. Most importantly, thank you to you, the Esoterra Nerd, listening to this podcast. We will be closing with some of the music of Amandeep Sodi. This is Sri Durga Chalisa by Sifat and Amandeep Sodi. Iti Shri Durga Chalisa Arambham Namo Namo दुर्गे सुख करनी नमो नमो दुर्गे सुख करनी नमो नमो अंबे दुख हरनी नमो नमो दुर्गे सुख करनी नमो नमो अंबे दुख हरनी निराकार है ज्योति तुम्हारे तिहू लोक फैले उजियारे शशील लाट मुख महाविशाला नेत्र लाल भ्रिकुटी विकराला 
मातु को अधिक सुहावे दर्श करत जन अति सुख पावे तुम संसार शक्ति लेकिना पालन हेतु अंग धन दीना अन्न पूर्णा हुई जग पाला आदे सुंदरी बाला प्रलय काल सब नाशन हारे तुम गौरी शिव शंकर प्यारे 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 शिव योगी तुम रे गुण गावे ब्रह्मा विष्णु तुम्हें नित ध्यावे रूप सरस्वती को तुम धारा देशु बुद्धि ऋषि मुनिन उभारा धरियो नरसिंह को अंबा प्रगट भई फाड़ कर खंबा रक्षा करे प्रहलाद बचायो हिरणा कुश को स्वर्ग पठायो लक्ष्मी रूप धरा जग माही श्री नारायण अंग समाही श्री नारायण अंग समाही श्री नारायण अंग समाही श्री नारायण अंग समाही क्षीर सिंधु में करत विलासा दया सिंधु दे जय मन आसा हिंग लाज में तुम ही भवानी महिमा अमित ना जात बखानी मातंगी अरुधुमावती माता मातंगी अरुधुमावती माता भुवनेश्वरी बगला सुखदाता श्री भैरव तारा जगतारिणी छिन्न भाल भव दुख निवारणी के हरिवाहन सोहे भवानी के हरिवाहन सोह भवानी लांगुर वीर चलत अगवानी करमे खप्पर खड़ग विराजे जाको देख काल ढर बाजे जाको देख काल डर भाजे जाको देख काल डर भाजे सोहे अस्त्र और त्रिशोला जाते उठत शत्रु शोला नगर कोटि में तुम ही विराजत तिहू लोक में डंका बाजत तिहू लोक में डंका बाजत शुंभ 
निशुंभ दानव तुम मारे रक्त बेज शंखन संहारे महिषासुर नृप अति अभिमानी जेहि अधभार महि अकुलानी रूप कराल काल का धारा सेन सहित तुम तिही संहारा परे गाढ़ संतन पर जब जब भई सहाय मातु तुम तब तब अमरपुरी अरुबासव लोका तब महिमा सब रहे अशोका ज्वाला में है ज्योति तुम्हारी तुम्हें सदा पूजे नर नारी प्रेम भक्ति से जो यश गावे दुख दारिद्र निकट नहीं आवे ध्यावे तुम्हें जो नर मन लाई जन्म मरण ताको छुट जाई जोगी सुरमुनि कहत पुकारी योग न हो बिन शक्ति तुम्हारी शंकर आचार जतपकीनो काम अरुक्रोध जीत सबलीनो निशिदिन ध्यान धरो शंकर को काहु काल नहीं सुमिरो तुमको शक्ति रूप को मर्म न पायो शक्ति गई तब मन पछितायो शरणागत हुई कीर्ति बखानी जय 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 जगदंब भवानी भई प्रसन्न आदि जगदंबा दई शक्ति नहीं कीन विलंबा मोको मात कष्ट अति घेरो तुम बिन कौन हरे दुख मेरो आशा तृष्णा निपट सतावे मोहमदादिक सब विनशावे शत्रुनाश के जय महारानी सुमिरो इच्छित तुम्हें भवानी करो कृपाल हे मात दयाला रिद्धि सिद्धि दे करहु निहाला जब लागे जियो दया फल पाऊं तुम्हारो यश मैं सदा सुनाऊं दुर्गा चालीसा जो कोई गावे सब सुख भोग 
परम पद पावे देवीदास चरण निज जाने कर कृपा जगदंब भवानी कर कृपा जगदंब भवानी इति श्री दुर्गा चालीसा संपूर्णम